the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Hey, good afternoon and welcome, ladies and gentlemen. This is Gino Geraci. So glad you could join me on the program, Crosswalk with Gino Geraci. It is, of course, one of those memorable days. The headlines all over the world reads, Russia attacks Ukraine from multiple directions and unprovoked invasion. Full-scale war in Europe has begun. The big question, of course, is going to be where it's going to lead. A little bit later on in the program, I'm going to have my friend Dr. Jim Dennison from the Dennison Forum talking a little bit about that. But yesterday, I was joined by my other friend, Jim, Jim Veldheis from Cross International, and we were talking a little bit about what Cross International is doing in Haiti, Guatemala, and Nicaragua to provide food, education, spiritual, and physical development for children for, well, less than a dollar a day, $64 for a child. But Jim Veldheis, welcome back to the program. Thanks for uh, agreeing to return to give us a little bit of an update of what's going on with Cross International. Gino, thanks so much, boy. The world definitely needs Jesus, doesn't it? Amen, wow. amen. More than, more than ever. Well, we've been talking about children, especially in Haiti. And, uh, Gino, I know we're talking about other countries in Latin America as well, but Haiti, of course, is near and dear to my soul because it's, uh, I've been there six times. And, and, of course, they were hit by that massive earthquake 10 years ago. And then just a year and a half ago, another earthquake, a different part of the country, but thousands killed again. And, Three days after that earthquake, Tropical Storm Grace rolled through, flooding that entire area. Uh, in other words, uh, Haiti has had its share of, of, of bad news. Right. And a lot of times when those kind of things happen, uh, the children are the ones that suffer. Many, many children lost mom and dad. So there's a lot of orphan kids. And, of course, uh, Cross International's main goal is to make sure children around the world hear about Jesus. But to do that, we have to make sure they have food and clean drinking water. And if they've lost parents, we've got to make sure that they have a, a Christian home to be brought up in. And uh, we get them enrolled in a Christian school, Divine Shelter Christian Schools at Cross International Help Found. So there's a lot of stuff going on. Yesterday, we started out the program needing uh, about 150 children. Uh, to be, quote, rescued. That's really what you're doing when you when you make sure you help a child. You're really rescuing them from a life of extreme poverty. And uh, your gift also, of course, makes you a ministry partner with not just with Gino or me or not with Cross International, but with our local pastors and ministry partners on the ground in the villages where these children live. And, and those are the, the men and women who are doing really the boots on the ground, hard work, the heavy lifting, so to speak. And so you become a ministry partner with them, and it's, uh, it, it rounds out to $64 for each child. Now, we started the program needing about 150 kids. We still have about 90 children remaining. And so you guys can do the math, $64 one-time gift for each child. Maybe you're one of those people who can 
help uh, you know two children, a brother and a sister, for $128. We had a couple folks, uh, Gino, say, I want to help one child every month for a whole year. Yeah, that's 12 you know, children, and that's great. Spread it out for a year. Yeah, yeah. And we've had people give uh, gifts in honor of their uh, children and grandchildren or in memory of, of folks, however you want to work it out. But just know this, we could really use your help. These children and our ministry partners could really use your help right now. And maybe you're one of those uh, leadership givers where you could rescue 20 kids all by yourself or 50 or the remaining 90 for that matter. You know, there's there's people listening to your program, Gino. I know that God is blessed financially. Uh, not all of us are in that boat. But uh, some of you can easily do even more than $64 for one child. So whatever God is laying on your heart, know this. Cross International has an impeccable record of uh, accountability. And with uh, using our ministry partners on the ground, that work that you want to help with, that work is getting done, I guarantee you. I've seen it in action many times on the ground in Haiti along with Cross International. And uh, no child should have to dig through a pile of uh, garbage to get something to eat, not when there's an answer. No child should drink dirty water and, and risk getting cholera. There's an answer. And the answer right now is, well, it's in you becoming a ministry partner with us at 888-222-9566. We just urge you to give your best possible gift right now. How many children can you help? How many children really can you rescue and introduce to Jesus Christ and take care of their physical needs at the same time? It just takes you making a phone call, 888-222-9566, or of course you can give online as well at 947fmtheword.com. About 90 kids still to go, Gino. That's kind of like the, the benchmark that we'd love to see by the end of your program today. That's great. Well, and again, I think of Psalm 37, 4, take delight in the Lord. He'll give you the desires of your heart. And again, we know that um, this great big world is a fallen world, but we also know that we have this wonderful opportunity. And that opportunity includes helping in a tangible way. And of course, we've talked a lot about that Um and again, we're, we're so grateful for what Cross is doing. We are so grateful for the many children who have been um, rescued, and we look forward to so many more being rescued. Again, let's give out that number again. It's 888-222-9566. You can go to 947fmtheword.com, click on that ba- banner, and be as generous as you possibly can. Well, thank you, Thanks, Jim Valpais. Saying prayers for the people in Ukraine for sure today. Yes, children in Haiti. Yes, and um, yeah, there is um, obviously this is such a fast-moving situation. There are so many different components, and um, but thank you, thank you, thank you for being my guest. Okay, it's good to be your friend, Gino. Thank you so much for all you do, man. Thanks, Jim Veltheis. This is Gino Geraci, and again, when we come back, I'm going to have Dr. Jim Dennison on the program. He, of course, from the Dennison Forum and uh, posts regularly, well, practically daily at, the, uh, at ChristianHeadlines.com. 
he has an article that he has posted today. Putin has launched a full-scale invasion of Ukraine. And, um, of course, like so many different outlets, we're reporting that Russian forces invaded Ukraine by land, air, and sea overnight in what uh, observers, scholars, um, people who do this for a living, they described it as the largest attack by one nation against another in Europe since World War II. And uh, Ukrainian Foreign Minister Dmitro Kuleba said on Twitter, quote, Putin has just launched a full-scale invasion of Ukraine. Peaceful Ukrainian cities are under strikes, unquote. Of course, earlier today, the president of the United States made some remarks. We've got so much to talk about. I so look forward to having um, Dr. Jim Dennison from the Dennison Forum on Truth and Culture. When we come back, and of course, um, I've got so much so many questions to ask him in his in at christianheadlines.com he asks the question well what does this mean for america and so we've got a whole lot to talk about this is Gino Geraci. Thanks for joining me. The number 303-873-1935. The other number 888-222-9566 won't you help provide a child with food, spiritual development, and a Christian education as other, as well as other life-giving resources? We'll be back. Hey, welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. This is Gino Geraci. So glad you could join me. And uh, thankfully, Dr. Jim Dennison from the Dennison Forum on Truth and Culture has agreed to spend a little bit of time with us. He, of course, has... Uh, posted both at the Denison Forum on Truth and Culture and ChristianHeadlines.com. Dr. Jim Denison, again, thanks so much for being my guest. Gino, it's my honor to be back on air with you today. I'm grateful for the privilege. Well, today you posted in the wee hours of the morning, Putin has just launched a full-scale invasion of Ukraine. I suspect that when um, things started to unfold, like me, you were probably glued to news outlets to ask and answer the question, how far is this going to go? How quickly is it going to go? And um, are you a little bit surprised at – have there been any surprises for you in, in what has just unfolded over the last 24 hours? Yeah, thanks. Uh, I guess I could say surprise, obviously, grief. We're obviously all grieved about this. But there was a lot of analysis of this that would say mm-hmm. you get a great deal more benefit from threatening and then backing off and looking benevolent for his own people and with mm-hmm. Ukraine. And if he could exact some kind of uh, response on the NATO side, some kind of commitments about not placing missiles in Eastern Europe, about Ukraine's uh, membership in NATO, something like that, he could rattle sabers and still come out the winner on this thing. It's what we were all kind of hoping was going to be his end game in this. Now it turns out that the larger geopolitical Peter the Great, czar, Mm -hmm. rebuild the Russian Empire, rebuild the USSR. He said that the collapse of the USSR was the greatest catastrophe of the 20th century. He absolutely meant it. It looks like he absolutely wants on some level to rebuild something about that. He wants this buffer with Western Russia to Eastern Europe because he remembers Napoleon and World War I, World War II, all of that. 
He needs to buttress his own popularity. He's got an election coming up in a couple of years. Last year saw the worst anti-Putin demonstrations in the entire history of his regime there. And so it turns out in his calculus, this invasion makes more sense to him. And a little surprised by that and obviously grieved. Well, one of the things that I found really, really interesting is some of the president's comments. Now, as the president was speaking, I assume that you did you get a chance to hear the president's comments to the nation and the world? Yes. When he ba- watch it as it happened. Yeah. When he basically said that it, it, he, he left me with the impression that uh Ukraine is a lost cause, that that it looks very much like Russia is going to uh, secure and subjugate Ukraine. One of the things that I found not alarming but surprising is many outlets in Eastern and Western Europe have said that they believe that Kiev could fall in as little as 24 hours. Do you think that that there's going to be more of a protracted engagement between Ukraine and Russia? I'd be shocked if there is. I think they learn from Afghanistan. I think they understand what an occupying force would look like to them. My guess is that they want regime change. My guess is that they want to replace uh, the current president, Zelensky, mm-hmm. with somebody more like the previous president, who was uh, really a corrupt a sort of pawn of Moscow and would be much more in allegiance with Moscow and want to move in more direction like that. So I think they're after regime change. I think they're after uh, an anti-Western sort of leadership for Ukraine. But I'd be surprised if they want to actually occupy the country. There are no reserves that Russia needs. There's no specific natural resource that they need. It's not like they have uranium that Russia needs or something like that. So I don't know myself why they would be a in for a U and Afghanistan type of occupation. At least I hope I'm right about that. Well, that it what, wouldn't be something to be long term like. What I think about that. is the Ukrainian ability to feed people. Um, mm-hmm. According to some outlets, they can feed as men, many as 600 million people. I did not know this until a few weeks ago, Jim. 50% of the grain for Lebanon comes from Ukraine, 25% mm-hmm. to Israel, 25% to Egypt. Apparently, this is, you know, one of their great natural resources, if, if you will, is their ability to grow and feed people. That's part of the grow geography. Food. That's part of what makes it so interesting. That part of the world is so flat mm-hmm. with no mountains, with no natural barriers. That's why Russia has been invaded from the West so often, because they don't have an Atlantic Ocean or Pacific Ocean or the forests in the north and the deserts in the south like the U.S. does. And so that's part of why they felt themselves so susceptible. And that's why they wanted that barrier over there, that buffer with all of those countries that are now part of NATO but used to be part of the USSR. So it's a breadbasket. Yes, in it many is. ways is a breadbasket for Europe, for sure. The, there's two other things with the, what the president said earlier today. He talked about sanctions, um, and he Later, when he was being addressed, some people wondered whether those sanctions would be sufficiently severe. And one person asked about China, and he said that he wasn't prepared to comment. I heard that. Um, It seems to me that if China doesn't condemn what Russia is doing, that China could, in fact— mitigate, if you will, some of these draconian sanctions against Russia as sort of a backdoor. 
Germany isn't going to be re- receiving the natural gas, but China has said, we'll take every drop of natural gas that you want to give us, which is going to ger- generate income and and then provide trade. W- what role or relationship do you think China might play in how events unfold in the next few weeks? Well, I think you're exactly right about that. China's already in talks in order to receive wheat imports from right. Russia, for instance. And so definitely China could mitigate the effect of the sanctions that could come forward from the West in this. But there's a larger meta narrative at work mm-hmm. here that I think we really all need to keep in mind. China remembers empire. Mm-hmm. They remember when they were the dominant empire, at least in their part of the world. Russia remembers that for themselves as well. Their meta narrative is to come back to that place again. America is the great threat to that. The West in general, but America specifically. China's playing the long game. Mm-hmm. To achieve supremacy in the South China Sea, to achieve geographical supremacy in their region of the world, the Pacific Rim, they're in that long game. If Russia can be a distraction to the West, and if they in turn can be a backdoor to Russia, there's an alignment of meta narratives here, an alignment of a regime of empires that could absolutely in the future be a real force to reckon with, not on both of them separately, but in both of them together. In a way we haven't seen since World War II, mm-hmm. when we were fighting two wars at the same time. One of the alarming things that you wrote about today, in a single sentence, you said Russian cyber attacks, cyber attacks that continued yesterday against Ukraine could be directed at the U.S. as well. Um, there seems to be a lot of conversations going on that this works both way, ways, that the United States could mount some pretty severe cyber attacks against Russia as well. What role do you suppose both for Europe, Russia, the United States, will cyber attacks play in the unfolding events as well? Absolutely. It's on two levels, as I'm understanding it. And you're right about us being susceptible here, especially because we're such an advanced culture in this context. It's kind of an unusual thing. Dr. Amy Zegart, a senior fellow at the Hoover Institute at Stanford, had a recent book on this in which she explained that the most powerful countries, including the United States, are simultaneously the most vulnerable countries because we're so digitally connected. She said that's especially true of democracies because our freedom of speech enables the possibility of deception at scale. And so in some ways, we're more susceptible than Russia is because we have a freedom of speech they don't honor, because we are even more connected than they are. So in some ways, their cyber hacking capacities are especially dangerous. Uh, In fact, our Homeland Security um, uh, Agency tweeted recently, every organization in the U.S. is at risk from cyber threats that can disrupt essential services. I will tell you that today, our ministry, Denison Ministries, Mm -hmm. has taken steps to examine the degree to which we are at risk right now for data breaches and for cyber attacks because we're a digital ministry. So that's the one side. On the other side, we're more sophisticated from what I understand it than they are in terms of being able to bring about cyber attack overseas. It's just whether they're as susceptible to the attacks as we might be. One of the things I found out, and we've only got a few seconds, is that Israel has been farming out a lot of their technology and digital support and cyber support to Ukraine. We're going to have more when we come back with Dr. Jim Dennison. Dennison Forum News discerned differently, posting in a number of different outlets, including ChristianHeadlines.com. This is Gino Juris. We'll have more with Dr. Jim Dennison when we come back. Hey, welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. This is Gino Geraci. So glad you could join me. Obviously, the whole world 
is talking about what has taken place in the last 48 hours. My friend, Dr. Jim Dennison, has posted both at the Denison Forum and at ChristianHeadlines.com. He has an article that I would encourage you to go look at. Putin has just launched a full-scale invasion of Ukraine, but also previous articles like Putin has just launched, um, well, the Russian in explaining their endgame. But in today's article, there's a couple of things that you talk about that I found very, very interesting. One of the things that, that you talked about was... Uh, the relationship between American families. I have a son who's a major in the army. You mm-hmm. talked uh, about a, another radio host uh, praying for military, inviting the conversation, um, and how how literally how fragile the circumstances are right at this very moment that that things could change quickly. Now, as you're looking out on this great big landscape and you see all of the things that could go wrong, do you anticipate that perhaps something could go right and what could go wrong in the next few days? That's yeah, a great question. Yeah. Three things that could go wrong and two that could go right very briefly, as I'm kind of one, understanding how this is unfolding. On the wrong side, first of all, it could take one rogue pilot, Russian pilot, mm-hmm. one bomber that gets sideways, that gets uh, lost, something like that, for there to be some kind of a military attack on one of the countries around Ukraine, all of which have NATO protections. Mm-hmm. We are obligated by Article 5 to defend all of those countries that are surrounding Ukraine now. And so we could have on that level a kind of an escalation by mistake. A second way this can go wrong is the very thing that happened in eastern Ukraine, where you had some separatists there that tried to create their own nation, as it were, Mm -hmm. and then claim Russian protection, could be done with these countries around Ukraine. We could see the very next stage of that exact same playbook. It's been done for centuries. Put some people there that are sympathetic to my regime, and then claim I'm going in to defend them as a pretext for invasion. We could see that with these countries as well, exactly what's been done in Eastern Europe. A third way we could get involved in this on a military level, and this is a horrific thought, but if the Russians decide that our support for Ukraine in other non-military ways warrants their ratcheting up their attacks, whether it's cyber attack, political attack, whatever, you can see a world in which we as America feel that we're militarily engaged with Russia itself. We're the end game here. They're not worried about Western Europe. They're not worried about what can happen to them with NATO forces per se. We are the big obstacle here to China and to Russia. And it's not impossible to think that what Putin meant when he said that if you oppose us, you'll see things you have never seen before was at least a threat of a Russian attack on the United States preemptively, as we had with Pearl Harbor. The thought that they need to take us out because we're an obstacle to their further regression in Europe. I'm not predicting that, of course. I think it's the least likely of the three, because the punitive response would be so deadly and damaging. But the other two are very plausible, unfortunately. My friend, Joel, Ros- this, yeah. my, my, my friend Joel Rosenberg suggested that perhaps Lithuania, Estonia, um, one of those Baltic region states, he, he suggested that if that goes wrong and and there is a Russian incursion, he wonders whether or not there is enough both political, ideological resolve on the part of NATO to enforce 
Article 5. Do Now, the, the president has repeatedly said he will, in fact, enforce Article 5. Is it possible that that resolve might crumble? I think it absolutely will be tested. I'd be shocked if Putin doesn't test it. Why wouldn't he do that? Why wouldn't he discover if he can push against that and find out that what they meant by Article 5 was economic sanctions or what they meant was providing military hardware or software support as opposed to boots on the ground? If it turns out that the political uh, kind of calculus in the United States is that we do not support any kind of boots on the ground regardless of Article 5, then Putin, I think, would absolutely push against that. There was a new poll out just today. Mm-hmm. 26% of Americans say the U.S. should have a major role in this conflict. 52% support a minor role. 20% say we should have no role at all. So in other words, three-quarters of Americans think we should not play any kind of a major role, which you would think of as boots on the ground. They may change their mind if Article 5 gets tripped here. There's a good argument to say we've been here before. We've seen Korea. We've seen Vietnam. We don't think. It's worth our blood and treasure, and maybe we don't, at the end of the day, say what NATO has said all these years we would do. Now, obviously, Putin, I'd certainly test it. Obviously, you're a keen watcher of what's happening all over the world and a, a lover of Israel. Do you think that another chapter could begin if other states like China uses this as an opportunity to advance another goal, perhaps what they're calling the reunification of Taiwan, do you see Iran or North Korea acting out badly in this time of crisis and using it as an opportunity to advance their own um, agendas? I'd be shocked if they don't. Again, that's a meta-narrative. Iran wants to rebuild the Persian Empire. Right. That's what their ultimate agenda is. North Korea obviously wants to advance its geopolitical agendas on the Korean Peninsula and as a larger player in the world as well. So at a time of distraction, at a time of testing, at a time of thin reserve, why wouldn't they on some level move in that direction, you would think? And then more specifically, if we do blink, if it does turn out that America is not the friend to uh, Lithuania that on paper we're claiming we are, why wouldn't they test to see if we're the friend to Israel that we claim to be? Well, see, this, and, see and we this is one of the challenges, because when Ukraine divested itself of its nuclear capability, they received assurances from Europe and the United States that in the event of an incursion, just like it's happening right now, that they would provide the kind of support necessary to protect themselves. It seems to me, Jim, that Putin sees two kinds of neighbors, vassals that he can subjugate, and enemies. That's the only lens he has. That's exactly right. In his worldview, everything's a means to his end. Back in 1994, that Budapest memorandum was exactly what you just described. And so he's wondering that. And then again, he's claiming in 1990 the promises were made prior to the fall of the USSR, that we would never expand into Eastern, that we'd never expand past Germany and the reunification of Germany, the promises, at least verbal promises for me. He claims James Baker, others made these promises that NATO would never move east of Germany. So he's wondering on both levels, do we keep our promises? Do we keep our resolutions? And shouldn't he test and push that? Shouldn't he discover how far he can go to rebuild the USSR? You know, one of the things that you do at both 
uh, the Denison Forum and Christian Headlines. In your article today, you asked the million-dollar question, what does this mean for America? In the very short time we have left, what what do you suppose is the short-term and long-term consequences of what we see unfolding right before our eyes? Yeah, it's a terrific question. There's no question that we can do militarily anything we want to do in terms of our military capacity here. At the same time, there's nothing we must do in terms of NATO treaty obligations to Ukraine. So the question is, what should we do? It's my belief that we ought to, at very least, be doing what we can to support the democracy of Ukraine by supplying weapons and intelligence, by applying what sanctions we can, by obviously killing Nord Stream 2, the gas pipeline, bolstering the defense of NATO's eastern flank, thinking about how we can support Ukrainian refugees in Eastern Europe. Those, I think, are bare minimums that we as America ought to be doing to move forward in our defense of the democracy that the Ukrainians are seeking to sustain. In your article, you also say we must be global Christians and uh, you quote, of course, the famous theologian John R.W. Stott. We've only got a few seconds left, so I want to direct people to your website. If people want to find out more about Dr. Jim Dennison and the Dennison Forum, where should they go? Dennisonforum.org or also my name, jimdennison.org. Either of those will get them to our content. Isn't that amazing, the miracle of modern technology? And again, barring cyber attacks, you should be able to access this information Dr. Jim Dennison, thanks so much for being my guest on such short notice. This is Gino Geraci. This is Gino Geraci. Thanks so much for joining me. I'll be back. Hey, if you'd like to join me, it's 303-873-1935. Obviously, this is something that I've been talking about for weeks And I know that for many of you, as I was talking about Ukraine and Russia, it just got pretty wearisome. Um, But again, there's so much um, involved in this um, this news story, and obviously it's going to be really difficult to – to talk about almost anything else. But one of the things that I talked with uh, Dr. Jim Dennison, and by the way, the number is 303-873-1935, 303-873-1935. We talked about cyber attacks. And there's a number of different warnings that are coming from the FBI, a United States senator, a number of other groups. The FBI's warning of cyber attacks on government and private entities in the United States. So so there there's a growing sense in which Russia is not going to just simply sit on their hands when it comes to the sanctions um, that are going to unfold rather rapidly. So today As I reported earlier, the president announced that Russia will be punished for what it has done and that the United States is ready to respond if Russia retaliates. Well, and if that retaliation might include cyber attacks, the president actually said if Russia pursues cyber attacks against our companies or critical infrastructure, we are prepared to respond. Um, The president said, for months, we've been working closely with the private sector to harden our cyber defenses and sharpen our ability to respond to Russian cyber attacks as well. 
and um, nearly a year after a Russian-based ransomware attack on the largest fuel pipeline in the United States, a top U.S. senator is again warning of Russia cyber attacks. So remember, if we ask and we answer the question, well, remember, we've already experienced some of these so-called preemptive attacks and um, that they can bring economic harm to NATO and America. So the United States senator warned all the hypothetical conversations about what will constitute an act of war suddenly get very real, unquote. And this is why I think that that there is a, a kind of a deep concern that things could change quickly. 303-873-1935. Let's see who's up. Nancy, welcome to the program. Hi, thank you, Gino, and I love your program, and thank you for what you do. Oh, thank you. I have two questions I want to ask you because of the people that you talk to. First of all, how far do you think Putin will go to satisfy his thirst for power and dominance? Well, and then the second yeah, one go ahead. is who will ultimately stop him and at what point in time? Yeah, what a what a great um, question. And my friend Joel Rosenberg has written extensively on this subject. He uh, talks about who is Vladimir Putin and what is his endgame. And I suspect that the end game is a reunification of what he sees as the the former Soviet Union. In other words, when the former Soviet Union collapsed, it was it's Joel Rosenberg's belief that that Vladimir Putin sees himself in an almost messianic figure that he's been appointed by God to make sure that Russia doesn't disintegrate. And um, and so he likens him to a mafia mob boss. And so he sees Putin as a combination of two kinds of people, a czar and a thug. And so he thinks that if the United States hates Iran, then Iran should be a Russian ally. Um, and so it, it's that kind of odd situation where um, he believes, like I, I indicated earlier, that Putin is going to test um, the NATO alliance and Article 5. If you've heard us talking about that, this is a mutual protection pact. Uh, that's in the form of a treaty that if you attack one member of NATO, you attack all of NATO. And Putin sees the West as weak and disintegrating, both ideologically, socially, culturally, by every measure, the West is going down the toilet. And so he suspects that he's going to be able to, to go into Ukraine unopposed, which is really what's happening right at this very moment. If he attacks Estonia or Lithuania, one of the the NATO uh, border states, and 
they don't enforce Article 5, the NATO, for all intents and purposes, becomes a non-threat, a non-entity. In other words, it's like a lion um, wearing dentures that, you know, it has a powerful roar. It might have even been strong at one point, but it can't do any damage. And so I think that that's the end game. His end game is to expand Russia, recreate the Soviet Union, and if possible, destroy or destabilize Western Europe. If he is successful at getting back the countries that he thinks Russia should possess, would that be enough? And if he got to that point, would we find ourselves back in a familiar old place of the Russian versus American way of life? Well, I I think that the way that I would think about it, I don't know how old you are, but the way that the United States will unfold, it will not be like the United States you grew up in. It will be a different United States. It will take on a different kind of, I'm going to use the term flavor. And the the other thing, and I'm thinking of this from a prophetic standpoint, is Israel, will Israel play some sort of role in Russia's endgame, if you will? And and so, like I was talking with Dr. Jim Dennison earlier, I am wondering if what's happening is going to embolden Israel's enemies, embolden um, China, embolden Syria and uh, Muslim-majority countries in some way. It would appear that that is exactly what will happen. Uh, so if this all goes down that road, who will stop Putin and other countries? Yeah, from- what, what, a, what an in- interesting question, because you're exactly right. One of the, the challenges is, yeah, who will stop him? It, without, how, how do you stop him without starting World War III? So, it, it, so we, have to, we have to make sure that part of the conversation we ask and answer is, who will stop him and at what cost? Exactly. Who will stop him and at what cost? And um, obviously, I don't believe that Western Europe has the resolve to do such a thing. Britain may at some point say, we're not going to do that. We're not, we're not going to just be a patsy. Um, we will fight back. And it's been my experience that when you fight a bully, oddly enough, you don't even have to win the fight. You just have to hurt the bully so bad that when they start picking on people, they decide you're just not worth the effort. Thank you so much, Gino. God bless you and your ministry. Hey, thank you for calling. Thank you for joining me. Matter of fact, I'll be back taking calls, answering questions, 303-873-1935. I'll have more on Israel and Russia. 
three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.